Hello everybody, my name's Darren, and I write a blog called A Demon's Voice about movies and shit like that, which you can find at demonsvoice.blogspot.com. I'm also on Twitter, at demonsvoice, which you should definitely follow me, because why the fuck not? Uh, I don't know if you listened to the last podcasty blog thing in which I complained. It was about Aladdin, the Guy Ritchie one. You should go and listen to it. Apparently it was funny, according to someone, one person, uh, that isn't me. I complained in that one that my testicle was tingling in a weird way, and that I wasn't concerned, but if anyone knew what the problem might be, they should let me know. It turned out that I was just sitting too far forward in the chair and my boxer shorts had sort of crushed my bollocks really slowly, like they'd pulled back. And it was subtle enough that I didn't notice at the time, but you know, overall, it caused some discomfort. Sort of like a frog, you know, in a boiling pot, where you turn the heat up really slowly and it doesn't notice. Essentially that was happening to my balls. Anyway, uh, also I, so this blog, podcasty thing is gonna be on Godzilla. Uh, versus, no, what the fuck is it called? Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the new movie. Um, I should say that I hated it, as you'll find out. Uh, but as I've been sat here in front of the computer, there's a fly buzzing around, pissing me off. And I would go after it and try and kill the thing, except A, I don't kill things, because I'm morally superior to everyone, as you'll find out. I mentioned vegetarianism in the bloggy podcasty thing. But also, I've just watched that episode of Breaking Bad that Ryan Johnson did called The Fly, I think, where Walt almost fucking kills himself by falling off balconies and electrocuting himself with bits of glass falling in face and his face trying to kill a fly. So I thought I'll just leave it. And it kept going towards the window, like over and over again. And I was thinking like, what? Does, does it just not learn? Like how fucking stupid is this fly? But then as it was by the window, a bird on the other side of the window thought it would try and have it, the fly for lunch. And so flew fucking feet first after it and just went straight into the fucking glass and knocked itself out. So, I mean, Firstly, you know, fair play to the fly, his his brain is a lot smaller than that bird's, and even the bird didn't realise glass is not to be charged into. But it was it was more entertaining to watch that fly and that bird have a nanosecond face-off in which neither of them won than it was to watch this Godzilla movie for two and a half hours in which the best special effects in the world are, you know, replicating giant dragons to fight each other. The fly's still here, by the way. It's really pissing me off, but anyway. So that's a little little observation I made for you. Now it's time for the uh, bloggy podcasty thing in which the thoughts I say to you have been a little bit more thought through than this waffle. Anyway, enjoy. Cheers. After seeing a few trailers and being a fan of the director's previous work, I remember going fucking nuts for the new Godzilla in 2014. If I was to compare being a movie fan to being on drugs, then it was like being one of those nutters on bath salts, as I manically gobbled up every new trailer like it was the face of an innocent fucking tramp. On its release, I therefore remember my initial impression of the film being that it was a little bit like the first time that I ever managed to get off with someone. Not because it was a mess and over far sooner than I'd expected, but rather because despite having enjoyed the experience, I had probably gone in with my expectations a little too high. My life hadn't been changed the way I'd been led to believe that it would have been, but there are certainly worse ways to kill some time. I imagine I also made that comparison as a way of subtly reminding people that I have had my end away in the past and should like to be considered for any future events of that nature. Please. Watching Godzilla is still like having sex for me, but mostly because it's rare that I manage to get it on, and even when I do, it probably means that I'm bored and having a quiet night to myself. However, nothing could quite have prepared me for the sequel, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which I saw the other day. If I were to compare this new film to Get and Laid 2, then it was like being invited to an orgy in which the most attractive people on the planet are said to be attending. Except, when you get there, it's just a creepy scout leader tugging himself off as an old lady projectile shits into his face. I didn't like it, and it fucking stunk. 
The film begins with Vera Farmiga, or Farmiger, I don't know which, so I'm going to say Farmiga. Farmiga? That doesn't sound right. And her daughter, Eleven, from Stranger Things, using some sort of device to piss about with a giant moth in a secret base. And when I say a giant moth, I mean a giant moth. It must have been, whew, a thousand times bigger than any normal moth, and at least twice the size of one that I once saw my mum crush with a slipper about 20 years ago. I was a child at the time, and I saw her smush that thing so fucking slowly that its guts exploded out of its arsehole and hit the window a few fucking feet away. That memory still fucking haunts me now, and now that I'm thinking about it, I think I'm going to be fucking sick again. Anyway, this device that Vera Farmiger, or Farmager, or whatever the fucking name is, has becomes integral later on because it's actually capable of speaking to, waking up, and attracting these huge titans that are lying dormant on our planet. Imagine that there's an ice cream van and that the monsters are like chubby little children, and that'll give you an idea as to how unbelievably well that they can hear its call and how fast they end up running towards it. Unbelievably well, I say. Almost as though it stretches any real credibility when you give it even a second's thought. Sadly, Farmiger, or Farmager, or whatever the fucking name is, and Eleven get kidnapped with their machine because Charles Dance wants to use it to wake up all of the monsters in order to destroy most of humanity. I mean, I can empathise, to be honest. Apparently, this is an act of eco-terrorism, which was a term I'd only previously understood as being when your barbecue costs more fucking money because you've been guilted into inviting a gang of fucking vegans. Just kidding, vegans, don't get mad. I'm actually a vegetarian, which is, uh, you know, not as annoying as you, but still morally superior to everyone else, so, you know, just thought you'd all like to know. I mean, I actually uh, don't like salad or vegetables either, so I found a way to be the most annoying person when it comes to inviting to a barbecue. Anyway. To cut a long story short, the monsters all wake up, Godzilla has a fight with them, millions of people die, and I'm secretly jealous of the peace they must now fucking feel. Of course, 2014's Godzilla wasn't the best film ever made, but this sequel is like following up Citizen Kane with Ernie Buys a Fucking Newspaper. For a start, it looks like a piece of shit, with the action sequences being about as clear to follow as a ghost in the fog when you've got jizz in your eyes. I imagine. But the characters here are also so unbelievably two-dimensional that even if you'd died in a parachute accident then you'd still be able to describe them as being pretty fucking flat. Uh, as another side note, apparently my friend Matthew saw somebody jump out of an aeroplane once and their parachute didn't open and they died. And every time I he mentions it, I ask him if they bounced. Apparently. Uh, but I can never remember the answer, so I'll have to ask him again next time I speak to him. Whatever that is. Um, da -da -da -da, flat. Ken Watanobe's character exists to simply end each scene by saying the word Godzilla in an attempt to inject a little awe. Kind of like you've just asked me which fictional character I think will have a penis that's about the same size as mine. Then before answering, I slowly walk over to the window, pause for a second while looking out, and then calmly whisper the name. Godzilla. Sally Hawkins plays his sidekick who quite literally fucks off about 20 minutes into the movie, and is never mentioned again. I can only assume that this was the point during filming in which The Shape of Water started doing well at the Oscars, and she figured it'd probably be more trouble for her career if she continued to turn up to this work. Charles Dance's character, meanwhile, simply spends the movie exasperated and asking Vera Farmiger Farmiger, What are you doing now? As though he's the living embodiment of the phrase, bored out of his tits. Uh, there's another character in all of this too that I won't spoil for you, that is essentially like a ditzy fucking Hitler. They've decided to initiate a global genocide, except that the gravitas of the situation only occurs to them once people have actually started to die. In which case, they walk about the film looking a little disconcerted, as though they've unintentionally farted into a dog-sensitive nose, and are now worried that its owners will work out why it's puking up the fucking walls. Not that a character's internal logic or motivation should be expected from this film, with the story having more obvious holes than you'd find in a flashlight factory. Uh, you might also know them as Pocky Pussy or Fanny in a Can. Uh, I'm told. I'll ignore asking who funds the monster-watching organisation Monarch when their technology must cost fucking billions, and we know it's not the government. 
but I did wonder if there was a particular reason as to why every member of their staff was a fucking idiot. At one point a new monster appears to which a monarch worker says, Do you know that tropical storm that appeared when we lost the three-headed monster? Well, it's changed direction and is heading towards that new monster we've just found too. I mean, what? The second monarch lost a three-headed monster, a tropical storm just turns up and nobody thought to check it out. What were they even doing to look for the three-headed monster? Just flying around aimlessly, playing with their bollocks and checking fucking Twitter. Later on, a monarch agent says, You know that three-headed monster? I reckon it might be an alien. To which another agent says, Uh, well that would explain how it can control the weather. Huh? How does that explain how it can control the weather? For a start, you're just assuming that it's an alien? And since when did we just know that aliens can control the weather? When was that a fact? Was the training day for these monster hunters to just watch Independence Day and then fuck about until home time? There's another character that's obsessed with this hollow earth theory, but honestly, it's the organization's fucking hollow brain problem that I'd be more worried about. Not that the eco-terrorists are any better. At one point they're screaming about their mad plan of unleashing the giant monsters while stood in front of a microphone. For some reason, that microphone is turned on and connected directly to a speaker in the room in which Eleven is being kept. I don't know why. But because she doesn't like their plan, she decides to run into the room, slyly steal the monster speaking ice cream fan light machine, and run off with it. Because you would definitely leave the device that's so pivotal to your evil plan on guard and on a table, wouldn't you? I mean, that's like us winning the war because the Germans accidentally left the instructions for their Enigma machine on the fucking bus. To make matters even worse, Eleven is surrounded by eco-soldiers that are carrying machine guns when she's up to this mischief. What is their job if not to guard that one fucking device or keep an eye on the one unruly child? Has somebody brought fucking cheese to work that day and all these crazy eco-bastards are just running around trying to decide if it's got fucking dairy in it? Again, sorry vegans. You know, I'm as annoying as you. Well, gnarly. Also, the plan of these eco-terrorists is to allow the monsters to kill enough humans that we can live in harmony with the world again. But, populations tend to double every generation or so, meaning that this cull would be relatively short-lived. Did they not even research that? That's what all of us did when we saw the end of Infinity War. Plus, isn't it just humans that they want to kill off? Because these monsters are not only so big that they trample everything in their paths, but they're burning the shit out of everything with their various firepowers as they fight each other. You think it's hard to get a panda to have sex now? Try get it in the mood to bone when its bamboo forest has gone up in flames because you woke up a fucking dragon. Not only that, but these creatures are so radioactive that we actually see huge skyscrapers melt in seconds simply because Godzilla has walked past them. Almost nobody will survive in the world with these creatures as it is, but even if the massive fuckers decide to go back to sleep before we're all dead, then those left alive will have tumours the size of fucking watermelons in their brains. Not that I imagine that any of this is being thought through either, because even the most basic message of the film seems pretty fucking confused. There's no doubt that we are destroying the planet with our way of life, and yet the people who are actually worried about this are the idiot bad guys. Let's not forget that Godzilla was originally a metaphor for the A-bomb, and the destruction that was done to Japan during the war. In this film, Godzilla is our secret radioactive weapon that we deploy when we need to annihilate our enemies. So. Overall, I'm getting that anybody who cares about the environment is a mad bastard lunatic that threatens our superior way of life, but we don't need to worry, because we can just worship the fucking bomb in the meantime. And if you don't think that worship the bomb is the message of this movie, then why is Godzilla depicted as being like fucking Jesus? At one point we're told that he's dead, only to be told later on that, nah, actually, he's just committed a miraculous resurrection, he's fine. They don't explain how he's still alive when we were literally shown that he'd kicked the bucket by a computer that was tracking his vitals. So I guess that we'll just put that one down to the idiots at Monarch not knowing their ass from their elbow again, shall we? However, the most confusing moment in terms of the Jesus thing comes about when Godzilla quite literally walks on water. 
You might have seen the image on the posters too, but he basically stands in the sea, leans his head back and breathes his blue fire plasma breath thing into the sky. Except that when you watch the film, it's not actually the sea in which you could assume he's in the shallow end, but actually the ocean. We know that where he's standing is miles deep because we've just been sending submarines down to visit him on the seabed. Now, if there is some Christian subtext going on in here, which you want us to view our nuclear weapon as being the son of God, which is obviously a weird fucking choice, could you at least make it a little more subtle? Because your metaphor shouldn't end up distracting me from the surface level story. When Godzilla was stood on top of the ocean, I was so confused that I almost said out loud, the fuck is he standing on? Does he actually have giant legs like a fucking flamingo? Or are his toenails made out of fucking armbands? Or is this film just a massive pile of wank? A collection of scenes, images, words and noise that bear no relation to each other as though pulled out of a fucking hat? Because as disaster movies go, I can honestly confirm that this one truly is a disaster. Thanks for listening, motherfuckers, and see you next time.